you're tuned into Decay Mag Podcast Online source for horror, thriller and sci-fi entertainment news Welcome back ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ken Artuz, founder and editor for DKMag.com That is D-E-C-A-Y-M-A-G.com And this is our weekly podcast that we would touch upon the latest news of the weeks that covers television, movies, and we also feature a host, a slate of interviews. So tune in. In this week's podcast, we will be interviewing actor James Clayton. So stay tuned for that. Joining me as co-host are... Enid Artus, content contributor for DKMag.com. And don't forget to listen to our podcast on Google Music. Stacy Cox, staff correspondent for DKMag.com. We're on Stitcher. Be sure to rate and review DKMag on Stitcher, rating and reviews, and help us rank. You could also catch our podcast on iTunes and Google Play, and be sure to follow us across social network platforms. Television. Fox cancels Scream Queens. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as I stated on our last podcast, we were waiting on news for Fox TV show Scream Queens. Well, we have an update, and that is the show is now officially canceled after two seasons. Here's what Dana Walden and Gary Newman have to say during a call with reporters. Per Variety, here's what Walden said. It feels as if it was a complete series. We have no plans to go back and tell more stories there. Well, we won't be seeing Screen Queens this season. Though it doesn't know which channel you consider yourself to be, this show is definitely not coming back to life. This show was created by Ryan Murphy, Brad Fallock, and Ian Brennan and it's been circulating since 2015. Also, Jamie Lee Curtis has this to say to her fans on a heartfelt message. To the fans and friends in front of and behind the mask, I thank you for a fun and funny run. It was me all alone after all. So now that the show is over, do you think that it was Jamie Lee Curtis behind doing all the killing. What do you think, guys? Stacy, uh, I know you're a big fan of uh, of Scream Queens. This is your favorite show, isn't it? It is. <laughs> I didn't get that memo. Um, <laughs> I watched most of the first season, and that was it. And. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I got annoyed with it myself. So I can't say that I'm sad to see it go. Um, of course, I love Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, so it'd be sad to see her go, but I'm pretty sure she'll be back in other things. Yeah, I, I seen the first season only because out of curiosity, uh, I, I found it to be very obnoxious, annoying. I mean, there was no, comedic value to this show whatsoever they, they were trying too hard you have these very great actresses and they were just trying too hard uh, you know what what do you think Anita? 
I know you you watched this show from the beginning to end, right? I did. I mean, it's kind of stupid at times, uh, especially uh, with the girls feeling a stupid character of being rich. Hey, look at me. I'm rich. I got money and I got power and I could do whatever I want. That type of character. Yeah, I didn't, you know, and... You know, one of my favorite horror actresses, Abigail Breslin, she, I, I was surprised to see her in such a, that type of role, right? Oh, she had the most stupidest role of them all. She was the dumbest one of them all. They, were, they picked through her with, they picked on her throughout the whole season. All seasons I'm talking about. Yeah, that, I, I didn't care for that at all. And Emma Roberts. I mean, she's a good actress because she just got me on my nerves. I just wanted to throw a shoe at the television. Didn't she want to do that, uh, Stacy? Just throw something at the TV, especially with the with with Emma Roberts. You know, she was the leader of the of the Chanel's. Oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The she was the most caca. Yeah, oh, I just, I mean, it takes a good actor or actress to make you feel that way, you know. Yeah, <laughs> she definitely made me feel some kind of way. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, in, in all the wrong ways. <laughs> well, she used to talk actually, like she had a shoe up her ass. Yeah. And actually, the episode that I left off on was um, the one where they were trying to play a prank. I think it was on the new, the new sisters. They were trying to play a prank, but it went wrong when the was it the housemaid that got you know she got burnt in that oil the oil wasn't supposed to be on but turned out but turned out it was on oh right 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 yeah 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 that's the episode i left off of i don't I, the lip the episode i left off of what was the episode i left off of need when they were in uh, um i think it was they were in a store or a mall something like that and the, and the and the killer he had a crossbow that was it that was i think first season yeah that was the first season i didn't watch the second season why should they have a second season if the first season was so terrible i don't know well good thing they decided not to come back for a third one thank goodness good, good riddance good riddance all agreed <laughs> i agree <laughs> i agree and actually that's when i stopped that and, and i think that's when slasher kind of came out right i stopped that and started watching slasher right was that yeah, when slasher yeah. uh was that when slasher came out yeah they all that... came out at the same time they all did yeah slasher scream and... scream queens they all come out at the same time yeah i gave up on that and started watching scream and slasher that was much better. Oh, much, much <laughs> better. Yeah, you cannot... Uh, Fox really messed up with this one. Yeah, I feel sorry for Fox. And they just keep on messing up on shows, TV shows. It's all trying errors. If season one doesn't work well, why keep on spending money? And that also ties in for our next topic. Ghost trailer first impressions. While we're on the topic of Fox, Ghosted will premiere on Fox. An official premiere date has yet to be announced. Stay tuned for updates. 
The paranormal comedy show is directed by Jonathan Crisell, written by Tom Gormican. The cast stars Adam Scott, Ali Walker, Craig Robinson, Sarah Baker, and Adil Ektar. The synopsis. Ghosted is a single camera action comedy about the unlikely partnership between two down on their luck polar opposites tasked with an even more unlikely mission, saving the human race from aliens. The story plays as follows. Leroy Wright, portrayed by Robinson, is a cynical skeptic and former missing persons detective. <clears throat> he thinks that aliens are a bunch of BS and that people who believe in them are certainly nuts are certifiably nuts. <clears throat> Max Jennifer, portrayed by Scott, is a genius, <clears throat> a true believer in the paranormal who's convinced his wife was abducted by aliens. At low points in their lives, both Leroy and Max are recruited by Captain Ava Lafray, portrayed by Walker, a take no prisoners, former Air Force test pilot and head of the Burrow underground, a secret government organization investigating paranormal cases. Lafray, along with her staff, Barry Shaw, portrayed by Akhtar, an overly friendly forensic pathologist, and Delilah Ward, a highly opinionated tech specialist, will support Leroy and Max in their quest for answers. Now, this heroic group of underdogs will look into unexplained activity in Los Angeles that often leads them to scary, thrilling, and hilarious places as they attempt to uncover the truth and keep the earth rotating on its axis for at least one more day. What do you guys think about this? I know, um, Anita and I, we are very familiar with uh, Greg <laughs> Robinson. Uh, his his roles and in, uh, in the film The End and Pineapple Express, what are some of the movies? His funny little stupid roles. Yeah, it's just, I mean, but it's stupid, but it's a stupid funny. I mean, oh my gosh, this guy's hilarious. He's so sarcastic in his roles. I like that. I like the characters that he be, that he that he portrays. Uh, what do you think? I, I, I kind of uh, I'm interested in this show, just because uh, Craig Robinson. I know the type of jokes he's gonna deliver for this show. Uh, don't you agree, Neil? Let's see. I mean, he's been good with everything that he's done so far in terms of his acting. Hopefully, he'll do good. Uh, you know he's gonna do good. Like I said, he's a sarcastic. He always plays sarcastic uh, acting acting roles. Wait, didn't he play in Hot Tub Time Machine? Yes, yes. he did. One and two, right? <laughs> yes, one and two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, oh. and he was... Remember, he was on Good Day New York, um, Inid? He was talking about his movie. Uh, what was it? I think his... Uh, an evening with Beverly Love, Lynn, something like that. That, what was he? I forgot what he was portraying, but uh, 
he was married to he was an odd couple like uh, his wife was very beautiful and sexy and of course he looks you know gruff and the character wasn't up to par with you know with his wife you remember that Lenny? I think so yeah he looked at, he looked at like he had a couple of puffs before he went on the show remember <laughs> oh yeah that's what you had to say I looked at him, chinky eyes. Yeah, he has some chinky eyes. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't doubt it though. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. So, Stacy, what do you think about this? I know you've seen the trailer. Uh, we've seen the trailer. Uh-huh. What, do, what do you think about this? I think this is gonna, this is a good show. Looks like it has potential. Yeah, it looks like it's gonna be really funny, if not anything else. Um. Yeah, so it looks good. It, it does. I, I actually laughed during the uh, trailer, so that's a good sign. Yeah, exactly. And you see a lot of the a lot of the uh, um, feature film art um, actors. They're turning over to TV now. See? That, so that's pretty cool. Well, yeah, that's because TV is freaking taking over TV. Yeah, TV's um, taking over TV. <laughs> TV's taking over TV. All these darn like shows coming out, reality shows and those random shows. Every time you turn around, it's like shows are coming out even more than movies now. That's so true. That's true. And uh, yeah, the, the main attraction here for Ghosted is definitely Craig Robinson. I, I got, I like his roles. Blumhouse launches the Purge TV series. Inid and Stacy, I know you guys are well aware of The Purge, correct? Yes. Well, check this out. According to Dateline, Bloomhouse has launched an independent television studio and they partnered up with ITV Studios. With ITV Studios, they're going to be owning 45% of this studio that Bloomhouse just built. So, Bloomhouse is going to team up with Universal and James DeMonaco. He's going to be launching the TV series for The Purge. And the series franchise is going to expand on either USA or sci-fi. What do you guys think about that? You know, The Purge did success on the big screen and now is heading over to the small screen. Well... The Purge was a good movie. Uh, it all depends. Uh, the scenario, where is it going to be conducted at? Who is going to be in it? Not everybody knows how to make a good Purge movie. Yeah. Um, that's also true. I, I particularly enjoyed uh, the second part. Uh, it should have had more violence. And part three was just a copy of part two. And part one to me it was just a, it was just a thriller. It wasn't f- focused on horror. But for it to come on on a TV series for either USA or sci-fi, uh, I'm looking forward to that and seeing how they're gonna develop this franchise even further. And this is what Jason Bloomhouse had to say, and I quote, "We can't wait to kick things off with the purge and secure hold. We're excited." 
that with the launch of this new studio, we are expanding our partnership with NBC Universal by growing the Purge franchise into a television series and are grateful for the incredible support of Bloomhouse overall, unquote. So it's, I want to see how they could expand this. What do you think, Stacy? I know you haven't seen all of them, but uh, you are aware with the Purge. What do you think about this? Yeah, um, so far I've only seen the first one, um, and I thought it was really good. It was a great concept. Um, I didn't, I haven't heard as many good reviews for the second one and the third one, but I will say that um, if they're going to make this into a show, one thing that might help it a lot is, and of course this is probably just wishful thinking because we you know this just doesn't happen. But like the original cast, Ethan Hawke and all them come into the show. And hey, like I said, we know that's not going to happen, you know. So it all depends on the cast and how they go about it, you know, because not all shows based on the movie turn out good. That is also true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes it's better off just being the movie that it is and that's it don't mess with it you know that's right don't so. mess with it don't mess right? with it right right and um now that you mentioned that not everyone can make a good purge movie i mean the purge reminds me of the warriors part two and uh part three of the purge doesn't it remind you of the warriors that they filmed here in brooklyn the the, the gangs that they had to survive on the street so you don't remember the per uh the the warriors in need that was an old movie it's back i'm trying in... to i'm trying to put mine to it it's not coming to my head right now yeah mm. you ever heard of the warriors uh stacy no i haven't oh they put that on your list yeah that's, that's <laughs> something that put that on your list it's it's basically the same thing uh horror survival going you know this, this member of the gangs have to go from point A to point B and they have to survive other gangs trying to kill them. So it's the same thing like the purge. Okay. And also, uh, the purge, I heard, and there's also some reports floating online since 2016 that the script for the purge was a stolen idea. And this guy, his name is Douglas Jordan Bennell, claims that the ideas for his screenplay. Uh, was uh, stolen and put into the purge so yeah so I I have not heard anything about the verdict but I do recall that the uh, lawsuit was in fact placed for copyright infringement Oh, wow, that's... <laughs> wow, because I was just going to say, like, the idea of the purge is an awesome idea. And it's such a simple com- concept to where I could see a show being made off of it. You know, because you can expand on just that concept alone. I mean, you know, it's for 24 hours, crime is illegal. You know, cri- oh, crime is legal, sorry, crime is legal for 24 hours. Well, it's no, 12 hours. Is it 12 hours? Or is it 24? 12 hours. 12 hours. 12 hours. So for 12 hours, crime is legal. You know, you can expand on that so much. So it all is like, 
you know, it just depends on the direction, the execution, how they're going to go about it, you know, make a great cast. And also, um, yeah, let's uh, work on that uh, copyright infringement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's work on that. You got to work on that first. <laughs> exactly. And f- no, you know, they got to work on a good protagonist because in The Purge, anybody could be the antagonist i just finished watching purge election year and there was this one actress she got me so on my nerves yeah she played the role pretty good all she wanted was her candy bar you know but you gotta look at the film to know what i'm talking about she she actually wanted to kill people for a candy bar that's <laughs> you you remember right Amy? Mm-hmm. didn't she drive you nuts like oh my gosh she's so annoying there was many characters in there that were annoying. But that's good. That, that's, that's Especially the young girl. I wanted to punch her in the face. Yeah, exactly. Well, you have to wait for the <laughs> purge so that way you can do it. Right. But even in the first one, you know, like your neighbors that smile at you every day that you didn't know actually hated your guts and couldn't wait for something like this to off you, you know, it's like... So many different ways, so many different twists and turns they can take of that, of that concept alone. Because it's that simple of a concept that can be expanded to a dozen of different outlets, you know, dozen of different ways. Anybody and everybody can be a, a antagonist. Anybody and everybody. Exactly. And the, you know what really heightened the, the purge? The costumes. You see, part one was simple. They had those uh, masks. Then part two, they had those other masks. They were pretty cool too. And then part three, they had the American, uh, what was that? Uh, By the saving of the president. Yeah, the saving of the president, but the costumes, the uh, Uncle Sam and the uh, Statue of Liberty, that was crazy looking. Yes. Yeah, I saw the cover of it. But you have to watch yeah. the film, not the cover. Put, take the disc know. out the film. <laughs> I know. I gotta watch the second one and the third one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious. I'm gonna see how. I, I have my doubts. Maybe it would work. Maybe it won't. Maybe it would just suck, just like every made-for-TV uh, film based on a uh, made-for-TV series based on a film. Let's see. Yeah. Because you, yeah, you know. maybe they'll just mess it up because they don't know actually what they're doing, how to go about it. You know that that sometimes that's what messes up a production. They don't know what the heck they're doing. They don't know how to proceed, how to execute. They just don't know. But if they played it, if they have good writers, the way they could do it is one night could be a whole season, right? Mm-hmm. Any one yes. one night could be a whole season like night one i mean hour one this is what happened and hour two then hour three yep because each each season episode is 13 or 12 each hour is intense by the minute exactly so they should write it up that way that would be good and like i said like they have enough material to last them like probably several seasons if they do it right right that show can last for several seasons it could be like american horror story you know going on season seven yeah if they do it right if yeah. they do it right but and i hope they put it on sci-fi because sci-fi is getting grimy and grungy with their heart 
very very grimy yeah. well you, we all we know if they put it on fox that's it it's done yeah of course it's fox. <laughs> oh, yeah, fox is too they're not too loose with their horror stuff you know they, they're not they're good with comedy and no, no, you know what don't quote me on that i'm not even gonna say a word yeah better stay quiet yeah oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Featured topic, Sci-Fi 12 Monkeys Season 3 Final Season. Let me start at the beginning. Three years ago, I sent a traveler back in time to change history and save the future. From the army of the 12 monkeys and its prophet, the witness. But as fate would have it, we were hunting the wrong man. Twelve Monkeys had its third and final season, and get this, guys! I need Stacy. The whole season was presented on Sci-Fi in over the span of three days, beginning on Friday, the 19th of May, and ending today, the 21st of May. The whole third season was presented. It's it's incredible, and if you have followed the 12 monkeys either the film or the series you would know what the plot is about and and to sum it up the synopsis is about the protagonist James Cole who travels back in time to prevent an outbreak that eliminates billions of people on this planet and those responsible for releasing this virus is called the order of the 12 monkeys it's like a a a the new world order let's put it that way and he has to find out who's behind this order and you know put it into this virus so that way their post-apocalyptic world does not exist and based on the on the ratings season one they garnered 0.25 million viewers by season two only half the viewers return to you know to follow james cole's adventures through time and in season three uh the ratings have to come in but we were presenting a review for the entire season day by day and please check out the complete reviews part one two and three of 12 monkeys on dk mag and the series is divided into three sections with the first three episodes broadcasting on friday which is episode one was mother episode two guardians episode three enemy and episode four brothers excuse me there were four episodes and then on Saturday there was casualties, nature, nurture, and then today it was mask, thief, and the final episode titled witness. Uh, I know I need you followed this series. Uh, you and I watched it. Um, what do you think? You think uh, Sci-Fi did good with bringing a film to TV? <coughs> A film like that one and continue carrying it on for so many seasons no 
because it's about a man goes back into the past to change what happens to reflect towards the future so how many times can you do that on a season i don't know and it does it does become repetitive because how how far can you stretch this plot well apparently they try to stretch it for three seasons try to make it into a fourth one and unfortunately it didn't work it was so bad that they had to use a three-day weekend just to show the entire new season like they are so desperate to get rid of it yeah that's what it seems like they were just desperate to get rid of it wouldn't you agree stacy come on a a weekend the whole season in one weekend right yeah that yeah no (laughs) no yeah and let me tell you um first of all i was very disappointed with the writing team and i do reflect that in my review i'm very disappointed of the writing team for season three because you could tell the writing was lazy the plot you don't need a time machine to figure out what's going to happen in the plot um no you don't no you could see things happening a mile away so yeah well apparently you get on the time machine and in one season the time machine was working then on the other season uh, the time machine was working halfway half ass then it wasn't working at all so that's what the season based on just it, it was he was able to time travel or not go find the same character get them to believe you know that it, what he already met them he already saw them before things like that yeah just you know when you dealing with time travel uh the theme you gotta be careful and how you do things because sometimes it doesn't make sense and by the last three episodes for season three the witness was the last one mask and thief were the ones before you know they were getting into the antagonist which is he was called the witness now now get this stacy get this the witness he turns out to be the protagonist's son mm-hmm. exactly right so mm-hmm. it just you know it's like those they throw those little things to to keep people interested it's like okay and how are you keeping me interested and then in the final episode the witness doesn't turn out to be the person who unleashes the virus it turns out to be somebody else but if you watch the series you're like um she looks too suspicious uh what does she have to do and all that i mean the writing was terrible terrible writing terrible cast terrible show terrible everything that's why it's done yeah no but let me let me let me point out uh, the actor who portrays the role of Jose Ramsey, Kirk Acevedo, in this season, I think he did a better job than season one and season two. Wow, it took him how many seasons to start making better just when the show is done? Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. I was surprised. I'm like, whoa. In one of the episodes, the, uh, his son passes away. He hasn't seen his son in years. And his son, that was, that was very sad. And I felt sad for the character. I'm like, wow. And then his best friend winds up killing him because he he had a secret, and he revealed the secret, which wasn't so wasn't so big of a secret. Let's put it that way. Well, all I say is 
Good riddance. Yeah. My favorite word. Yeah, <laughs> good riddance. Yeah, but uh, I think they're gonna come back with with twelve monkeys. The way it ended, how they have a new antagonist and the virus gets unleashed on the world, regardless. So you took three seasons to try to stop a virus, only for the virus to happen anyway. Well, they should make a, probably a movie out of it. Just leave the TV show alone. Right, right. Make it into a movie. So, Stacy, are you familiar with the Twelve Monkeys film? Uh, no, this, I'm not. Oh my gosh! Hey, really? That's a yeah. classic. Bruce Willis was in that movie. Oh wow. You know, I've heard of it. Now that you mention it, I've heard of it. But it's been so long since I heard of it, though. And Brad Pitt was in it, too. Hmm. Yeah, I remember seeing a commercial or something one time. Never watched it, though. And I love Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt. I just never got around to watching it. Uh, it's good. One of those films to watch, Stacey. One, put them in the front of your queue, your ever-expanding queue. Yeah, right. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, but um, I think this season, despite the, the bad writing, I think all the actors, they, they pretty much, they, they were much better now. At season two, they were terrible. Because they knew the show was over. Right, and I think they upped their acting chops, and they're also cursing. I don't know if it came out on TV. The the the, the version we saw, they were cursing. They were saying "bitch" and this and that, and I'm like, "Whoa, that's sci-fi! Whoa, that's crazy!" Exclusive interview: Actor James Clayton. Did this all start? I guess you need to know how I ended up with the book. Mr. Luke Harding. My partners and I have a little test. Our friend Gary Hung has passed this test, so now we need to deliver to him his prize. I can't stress this enough. Gary himself has to be the one who opens it. Did you by chance open the book? Yeah, that would explain things from my end. On the 18th of May, Thursday, I had the pleasure of interviewing actor James Clayton, and we spoke about a slate of his upcoming films. He has three films coming out in the 2016 calendar, and that's an amazing feat. Uh, that would simply mean that this actor was very hard at work for the past couple of years not only that Enid Stacy check this out for these three films that he has he in a period of you know for each role he had to undergo a physical transformation so in his first film Candyland he went from 180 pounds to 130 pounds in an eight week period then from 130 pounds he had to bulk up gain muscle mass for his next film residue and he has another film titled 
down the line which is slated for release in 2016 so that alone it just shows you the dedication uh, Mr. Clayton has for his role so not only does he have to memorize his lines and get into character but he really put a physical strain on his body just to portray these roles amazing so let's start with Candyland Candyland the synopsis reads as follows Peter a failed tennis star is struggling to rebuild his life after a car accident forced the end of his career angry at the world consumerism values and his controlling father Arnie whom he blames for being absent during his mother's dying days Peter is desperately searching for a moment's peace in an attempt at normalcy he heads to a bar at night for a night out where he encounters recently divorced and grieving Tess abandoned and lonely finding solace in each other's brokenness they withdraw to Peter's apartment and begin a central love affair now if you check out the trailer for this film let me tell you this is a film to take your boyfriend girlfriend whatever for Valentine's Day say hey you know I have a great movie for us to watch it deals on relationships yeah check out the trailer and you will note that there's a lot of sarcasm in my voice also slated for release is the action horror thriller residue synopsis reads as follows a private investigator reads a book of sinister origin and Olorni puts his daughter and himself in a fight for their lives and their eternal souls catch this film and to me tell you if you enjoy film noirs and if you enjoy sci-fi horror this is a film to watch it's intriguingly surreal and mind you Rusty Nixon is the writer and director for both these films which leads us to the next film titled Down the Line and the synopsis reads as follows a struggling comedian wakes up trapped inside his mind and must fight alternate versions of himself in order to escape once again Rusty Nixon is at the helm of both the script and as director uh, without further ado, here is my interview with actor James Clayton. Uh, my name is Ken Artuz, founder and editor for DKMag.com, and joining me in this interview is Mr. James Clayton. And according to INDB, uh, Mr. Clayton is an actor, producer, and has a slate of upcoming films that is not to be missed. Uh, thank you for your time, Mr. Clayton. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Ken. Thank you. And first, we're going to go down a, a few of your films that you have slated for this year's release, um, beginning with uh, Candyland. I checked out the trailer. Uh, I've got to say, the theme is Misery Loves Company for this film. <laughs> you hit the nail right on the head. <laughs> so Yeah, no, I, Candyland is... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I see um, there's a physical transformation, uh, which we'll get to later, but what was the mental strain of playing this, this role? Oh, it, it was a great mental strain. The material of the film is quite dark. It deals with uh, all of the worst unimaginable, um, you know, broken relationship issues that you could deal with in terms of abandonment and uh, pain and torment. But but also 
the mental aspect of, of losing the weight and how you feel is uh, tremendous. Uh, I, I don't say this lightly. I would never recommend um, losing weight or doing the transformation that I did. And it was probably probably one of the worst times of my life when I was uh, doing it because it was, it was very, very hard mentally. But yeah, I could see that. That's pretty straining. And that only reminds me of uh, one particular film where an actor, he underwent some an extreme transformation just like that. Yeah, which, uh, which film was that? Uh, that was with Christian Bale, the, the machinist. Yeah, I felt you were going to say that. Yeah, the, the machinist. Well, interestingly enough, I mean, he's tremendous in that film. I had read the script for Candyland uh, a little bit before that film came out. So I read it over 10 years ago and uh, wanted to play the role. And what drew me to it was, you know, the character had this great arc, but also the challenge of the physical transformation. And, and so I really wanted to do it. And then The Machinist came out and Christian Bale had done such a tremendous job. I thought, okay, well, there's no way I can top what he did. I can't do this performance now, right? And then what happened was his Candyland was delayed ultimately a few times. And, um, uh, and then enough time had gone by that I was like, okay, I feel like we can do this and honor the story and honor the character. And it doesn't seem like we're trying to copy what Christian Bale did because the stories are so different and, and not inspired uh, by each other at all. So it's interesting that you mentioned that film. Right. Um, I, just coincidentally, I had uh, interviewed and reviewed another film, uh, which uh, another actor, he uh, he underwent some, you know, the weight loss as well. I believe it was 30 pounds. And I'm going to jump the gun here. How is this possible? Eight weeks to lose that much weight? How did you go through that? Well, yeah, you basically, you just stop eating. So I um, basically right at the stop of the eight week or start of the eight weeks, I started a 100% liquid diet mm. and I was drinking, you know, a regular calorie intake on liquid. So just doing that, you're going to start to lose weight. But then what I did was I started restricting my calories uh, per day until slowly I got to something like, I can't remember exactly, but it was around 100 calories a day liquid. Uh, so it was basically like a glass of lemonade by the end of it. Uh, so that's essentially how I did it. It was um, uh, pretty crazy and probably uh, very foolish of me, uh, but you know, due to the time constraints, but then also um, how I wanted to get into the character and uh, really honor it and kind of delve into, uh, into the, the character's mindset and physicality, I thought it was absolutely appropriate. Wow, amazing job, I tell you. I, I have to check out this film. Um, I believe it's uh, gonna be arriving on Netflix soon, correct? Yeah, it should be on Netflix uh, a little later this year, but you can currently uh, get it on DVD uh, on Amazon. It's on uh, uh, VOD, like Voodoo, and, and uh, Amazon Stream as well. And you can get it on iTunes, too. Okay, definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, and I'm sure Candyland would make for a good Valentine's Day movie to go to. 
guess it depends on your definition of love, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's so interesting because um, the crooks of the story is that Peter and Tess are, are these two people that lock themselves away in their fantasy world, Candyland, and Gary Busey is, is the, the father trying to break them out. But it, it really is all about love. Right. And as you watch the film, as horrific as it is, the thing to remember is that these people have committed 100% to each other and to the idea of what each other means. And it goes wrong, but it, it, does, it does question the idea of what is 100% commitment. What does full commitment look like, especially you know, with these two broken people? Uh, and, and when you watch it from that perspective, it's quite chilling and, and really um, makes you uh, reflect a lot about, you know, the nature of, of your own relationships. Absolutely true. And I was about to tie in that with my next question. Um, it appears Candyland has its commentary, social commentary, and you, you just touched up on, on it right now. Well, it definitely has a commentary on that, and, and it has a huge commentary on uh, just the nature of our society, how connected we are. You know, commercialism, what does it mean to us? Well, what's, everything's so driven by business now and economy. And, you know, we're, we're so afraid of instead of, you know, before, let me back up, before when we were younger or, or way back when, uh, you know, it was life or death. And now it seems to be it's life or being irrelevant. Mm. We're all afraid to be irrelevant. We're not afraid of dying now. And so uh, Candyland doesn't explicitly uh, say uh, this message, but uh, you know, every time I visit the film, it really, I, I really get that now. And I go, wow, you know, we are living in a society where it's death by irrelevance. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's one of the subtexts of the film. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I have to check it out. And uh, jump into your next project. You have uh, Residue, and it's right up our alley. Can you share some insight on this film? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think residue, residue is one of the, the most fun I've ever had on a film set. Uh, it's a supernatural crime horror. Uh, it's got the visual aesthetics of film noir, like new noir film. And um, it, it's, it's about a private investigator who finds this supernatural book. And when he reads it, it unleashes demons in his apartment. Uh, so it's, um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, we have a great cast, Taylor Hickson from Deadpool and the TV series Aftermath is in it. Matt Frewer uh, plays a tremendous role as one of the villains, uh, Mr. Fairweather. He was Max Headroom, uh, if you remember. He's on Orphan Black and Timeless right now. Great, great actor. William B. Davis from X-Files. He was a Smoky Man X-Files. He plays uh, the mysterious evil leader, uh, Mr. Lamont. And, and what's great about the film is that there's a lot of scares. There's a lot of laughs. Um, and there's some great creature effects in it, great creature effects and visual effects. Yeah, I checked out the trailer before the interview, uh, just to recap, uh, amazing visuals. I love that the, uh, the practical effects team, they really did good work on those uh, creatures. Oh, well, you know what, they would love to hear that. And, and we did hold back on, on, on things on that trailer as well. 
you know, our motto has been is we really want to keep uh, the mysteriousness of the book as mysterious as we can uh, so that when people watch it, they can be shocked and amazed because there are quite a few twists and turns. I mean, there's there's a, a lot of, of pure popcorn fun in the film, but then for audiences that are looking for a little bit of a deeper story or a little bit of a smarter horror, there are those elements in the film as well. So I think it's really going to be a crowd pleaser. Uh, we screened it um, at the uh, Sunscreen Film Festival uh, last month uh, to a, a really happy audience. And the big question from everyone was, when's the sequel? Because the film does end on a cliffhanger. So um, I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah, that's a quick question that, that always resonates whenever a film is well done, well composed. And uh, so what would your answer be for those uh, curious out there for this book? <laughs> Oh, well, there, there will be a sequel. There, there, there will be a sequel. There's a, a sequel in the works uh, that I can't reveal the title of yet because then it would reveal uh, essentially where the story's going. And it would be nice to just let Residue kind of do its thing uh, first and, and see, um, see the audience reaction. Um, but, I, but I will say this, uh, the writer-director, Rusty Nixon, uh, he also is the, uh, the writer and director of Candyland. He's created such an interesting, unique world. Uh, I watched the cut of the film, and it's very rare uh, that you watch something and you go, oh, this is its own thing, its own universe that can be really expanded upon that has its own rules. So I, I think uh, audiences are really going to respond to it, and I think they're going to crave uh, to see the world expanded in a, in a fun and interesting way. Thank you. Um, and it's very, the, the concept for Residue is very interesting because, you, like you said, you played a pri private investigator, uh, get possession of a supernatural book. So it ties all, so many uh, concepts from so many different movies. Uh, so what was your initial uh, reaction when you read this script and wanted to be a part of this? Uh, I loved it the first time I read it. Uh, it it's got such an HP Lovecraft. Uh, feel to it, but then also it had uh, elements of all those great film noirs, right? Like there was a lot. Like my character, uh, it definitely was inspired by you know the those characters from like Humphrey Bogart, and um, I mean even Harrison Ford's character in Blade Runner was inspired by that film noir investigator archetype. So I thought that was a, a pretty delicious thing. Uh, to sink my teeth into. And then also, um, aside from all the different uh, inspirations in it, at the core of it, it's, it's got a lot of humanity to the story. Uh, you know, my character is estranged from his daughter. And one of the main, you know, themes of the film is, is reconciliation with your family. So as much as all of these crazy things are going on, I feel like at a deeper level, a deeper human level, everyone can connect to this father-daughter uh, relationship. Uh, that's very important. You see, I'm all in favor for a film that really has a defined protagonist and a defined antagonist. Uh, that's what really carries the film uh, in terms of narrative. I completely agree. I completely agree. And and 
in this film, there are strong protagonists, strong antagonists, and there are definitely a lot of elements of, uh, you know, person versus themselves as well. Because not only does the uh, book manifest, um, you know, uh, physical dangers, it really does play tricks of the mind, which become very dangerous for all of our heroes. Uh, looking forward to this. And according to the press release, this is this is will be released on the 18th of July, correct? Yeah, July 18th is going to be on VOD and iTunes, and then we are announcing a. At some select theaters as well. Amazing, amazing stuff. Looking forward to that. And also, um, you had to bulk up yourself from 130 from Candyland to 190 for this film. So how was that transition? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was my pleasure, man. It was my pleasure because all I did was um, uh, I just ate. I ate and I worked out. I mean, I've been, I'm pretty phys physically active person. I've been working out since I was, you know, in my teen years. And so I, I really do understand my body and how to lose weight and how to gain weight and how to work out. I, I generally sit around 175, 180. Mm -hmm. And so I, when I did Candyland, I bulked up to about 185 and then dropped to 130 because I wanted to have as big of a, of a transformation gap as possible. And then from 130, I bulked back up to 190. Now I'm back down to 180. But essentially, there, there was no, I didn't have to worry about cutting or, or any of that kind of stuff. I just ate a lot of meals and I lifted heavy weights. And, um, and I achieved that kind of hulking, um, bigger type of body mass because my character is older. I play someone who's probably about 10 years older than me. And uh, so he needs to be a little bit heavier. He's a little bit past his prime. You know, if he started working out and he got his act together, uh, my character would be top form and in his prime again. Like, it's not like he's incapable of being in his prime, but he's kind of choosing not to be in his best days, if that makes sense. He's a little bit down and out at the beginning of Residue. Okay. And that ties in with his relationship with his daughter, the, the whole mentality of he's not wanting to care anymore. Yeah, 100%, 100%. You know, he's down on his luck. And, you know, he takes this, this job just because really, he needs the money. And little does he know, he gets pulled into this world. And, you know, as dangerous as it is, and as big of a problem as it is, it can, it's ultimately leads him on the journey for a healthier life. It's interesting that is. I don't want to give too much away, but <laughs> it, isn't it funny? It kind of relates to real life in many ways. Huh? You know, you know, it's finding the, um, you know, finding the upside in tragedy. You know, all these right. lessons that happen usually can make us stronger in the end. Mm. Uh, motion picture poetry. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Uh, too bad we're not uh we don't cover physical fitness because i have so many questions with this uh, weight cutting you're like you're transitioning like an mma fighter here it's like this is so dramatic <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's true i mean uh i can't wait to do a, a film where i don't have to worry too much about how i look i can just kind of like do my thing so hopefully that's coming soon <laughs> hopefully well 
probably that ties into your next film, uh, Down the Line, another film that's slated for release this year. Uh, uh, tell us more about this project. Well, Down the Line is probably one of the most unique movies I've ever been a part of and probably one of the most unique films I've ever seen. Um, it's about, it's a thriller and it's got a lot of comedic elements to it. It's, a, it's essentially about a comedian who decides to give up on his dream. You know, he's been slagging away being a comedian for 10 years. He can't take it anymore. He's got a wife. He's got bills to pay. So he quits comedy, decides to take the manager job uh, at his job that he's been, you know, basically been putting off for 10 years because he's waiting on his big break. He goes to sleep and he wakes up trapped in this really mysterious room and there's no doors, there's nothing, there's just a window. And when he looks through the window, to his shock and horror, he discovers himself. Mm. A day goes by, another window on the opposite side of the room opens up and it's himself again. And so uh, the story is, is about this comedian who wakes up and he's trapped inside his mind and he has to fight and work with these multiple versions of himself in order to escape. So there's, there's definitely a little bit of a, of a being John Malkovich and a moon uh, element to it. Uh, it's very, very creepy. Uh, I, and also it was a tremendous amount of fun. I got to play about nine different characters in it. And, you know, they're all different versions of the same, of the same character, but because, and I don't want to give too much away about this film either, um, but because of the nature of, of how they're affected individually, I got to play with them a lot. So a lot of them are, are, are very, very different from the next. Very interesting. And one thing that always captures my attention is when an actor uh, portrays uh, like a twin or different versions of uh, one character. So how, how does one prepare mentally and what's the research to, to go and to do this role? Well, for that one, um, you know, it, there's, a, there's a variety of different techniques that you can use. The, the things that I, liked, that I liked using on that film is I did something called uh, an animal exercise for each character. So, a, you know, one acting theory is that in order to, to change your physicality, you can pretend that your character is kind of like a bear. So you uh, say, for example, research how a bear moves and how a bear eats, and you can incorporate those movements into your physicality, you know, through practice and uh, essentially create new mannerisms for yourself. So that's what I did uh, for Down the Line because we had a very, very uh, short shooting schedule. So I knew I had to be very efficient. So for a few months beforehand, I, I basically broke down the script and I decided which animal uh, would be best suited for each character and uh, what their function was, whether they were antagonist or protagonist or essentially what their personality type was. So uh, I broke them down and then I categorized the behavior and then I incorporated that behavior into each character. And, um, you know, from what I've been told from some people, it, it worked. You know, every character is very quite distinct. And, and when you do that, it changes your mindset as you're acting as well. It'll, it'll change the way you talk ever so slightly. Um, so that's essentially what I did for that movie. 
impressive, impressive. Um, it just fascinates me as a, you know, seeing a performer, I, and you know, uh, as a moviegoer, there's a sense of appreciation of what the process is to play these roles. It's amazing. Oh, that's very cool. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so I'm seeing, a, this is a, a, another theme here for down the line, man versus himself. Um, it seems like Rusty Nixon, he also wrote and directed this film. He has a consistent theme going on with his movies. <laughs> well, he does. I think he draws. I mean, you, you write what you know. And Rusty is a very, he, he's probably one of the most kindest uh, uh, people I've ever met. Uh, he's actually like one of my, he's my best friend, one of my closest friends. And, uh, but he's a very deep thinker and he's, he's very much, a lot of his thoughts are entrenched in overcoming the odds and what does it mean to be human? And, and so he brings that to all of the scripts and he does it in such a, an, an interesting and unique way. Um, I think this is such a big year for him as well because of all these three films coming out and because they're all coming out at the same time, I think when audiences uh, watch them, they're going to really see uh, and hear his unique voice. He does have a very unique voice on the whole matter. It seems so. Um, so a question, you have all these three films uh, coming out. Um, so how, what was the preparation for each, doing each of these projects? Is, was it back to back or did you have some downtime in between to prepare for the next role? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, there, I, I produce these films as well. I'm mm -hmm. heavily involved behind the camera. So to be honest with you, there wasn't really any downtime. It really was a succession of a boom, 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 boom. It's been a very busy three years, to say the least, because, um, you know, there is one important person to mention as well is, is Blaine Anderson. He's uh, my producing partner. And uh, me, Blaine, and Rusty, we ex work extensively on story. So just right from script, what is the story that we want to tell? How does that work? And then from casting to putting the project together, to financing, uh, to filming, to editing, and then to finishing the film and ultimately bringing it to market on top of acting. Because Blaine acts in the films as well. And Rusty's writing, directing, editing, and he actually has a, um, a small cameo in residue too, Rusty. Uh, and uh, so there, there's no downtime. This really is uh, a labor of love. We just really enjoy making movies. And, um, you know, we, we really hope that audiences respond to our films and want us to keep doing what we're doing. Well, definitely count my vote because it's creative indie films such as these three examples that is really propelling the genre so forward uh, as Hollywood certainly isn't doing a good job about it so it's up to the indie circuit to to really come up with some good stuff no I really appreciate that well I look forward to you watching the films I hope you really enjoy them yes definitely yeah thank you and uh, we have some time left for uh, one final question uh, which is basically an open platform question. What do you have uh, in store for the future uh, this year, 2017 and beyond? Well, we have uh, the residue sequel uh, that we are planning. 
Um, and we actually have about two or three other films in development, but most immediately, uh, we are slated to go to camera. Uh, we're switching our genre a little bit. We're going to uh, actually do um, an action film, which will begin filming in September. And um, it's we, we wanted to do something that was like a pure popcorn film. And, and so right now we're, we're basically working on this script called High Caliber. And it's a uh, action film. It's uh, co-written by uh, um, uh, Rusty Nixon and uh, Niall Kassen. And uh, I can't really give too many details on it, except that it is going to be a tremendous amount of fun. Tremendous amount of fun. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I, I cannot wait to film this movie. Unfortunately, I got to work out for it. So I got to get back into some kind of shape. Really <laughs> After I just said, I didn't really want to, I want to do something where I don't have to work, work out so hard, but I have to get into shape for that. And then there is, it's quite a lot of gun and fight action in it. So I'm, I'm going to have the chance along with uh, Blaine Anderson, who's going to be playing, um, who's going to be the other lead in the film. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of fight choreography. Uh, so, um, I'm, yeah, I'm just excited to shoot it and then see what audiences say about that too because it will, uh, the sequel for Residue is is really amped up in terms of action as well. There's a lot more spectacle uh, in it. Uh, so this is a great kind of middle project leading to that next one. Impressive, impressive. I'm just impressed with the, you know, physical, uh, what you went through and the, the busy schedule. I mean, this is true dedication from uh, across the board. Thank you for your contribution. Oh, I appreciate that. Well, well, thank you so much for your support and thank you for this interview. I've had a lot of fun chatting with you. Likewise, likewise. And, uh, best of luck to your endeavors, and I'm definitely looking forward to. See, I'm an action guy at heart. You know, I have a, a soft spot for these oh, good cool. action films. Looking forward to these uh, high caliber too. Oh, that sounds fantastic, Ken. I, I really appreciate it again, and it was great chatting with you. Movies. George A. Romero, Road of the Dead. We all know George Romero has his famous horror movie like Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and so forth. Now let's talk about his new project called Road of the Dead. Frontiers, the Fantasia International Film Festival, has announced its first batch of projects for the ninth edition, which takes place from July 20th to July 23rd in Montreal, Canada. Among the project is George A. Romero, Road of the Dead. The project was written by Romero and Matt Birdman. Birdman served as the second unit director for other movies. They both have worked on and off together. Also, Birdman has worked as a stunt coordinator and stuntman for more than 30 years. Road of the Dead originated as an original pitch from Birdman roughly 10 years ago. The story is set as an island where zombie prisoners race cars in a modern-day coliseum for the entertainment of wealthy humans. Berman describes the project as Road Warrior meets Rollerball, a NASCAR race with significant inspiration from Ben-Hur.
Frontiers connects North America with Europe with an environmental specifically focused in Jera Film co-production and financing and has partnership with the Cannes Film Festival market Domacher du Film. So what do you guys think about a movie of zombies racing? <laughs> Stacy, you take it away. Uh, <laughs> movies of zombies racing. Well, I think it's the movie of zombies racing. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, I guess um, it's good to see, you know, George Romero come back. So I'm um, looking forward to seeing how this, you know, movie will be, honestly. And you know, George Romero, that's part of his uh, his zombie films. He his, his slate of zombie films that started with Night of the Living Dead. Yep, that was his first movie. And then there was Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. Land of the Dead, Land. everything that ends on dead. Yeah, but those are his. Those are his uh, franchise. That's his franchise. Yeah. So, Road of the Dead, Stacy. Zombies driving cars. Zombies driving cars, yep. And for the wealthy. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the social commentary here. Well, you got zombies throwing smoke out their mouth and using them as gas, so might as well use them for race. So you know what? Uh, <laughs> zombies will never be the same. No, <laughs> zombies driving cars. How? Yeah. Well, now they learn they're not stupid. These are smart zombies. How? I just can't think how. Trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to wrap my brain around it. Don't oh. break it. Well, I can't remember. It is 2017. I mean, zombie. It is when George Romero. Yeah, and when was the first time zombies got smart? When was the first movie where they evolved? <laughs> well, these are very evolved zombies. They like to drive. Well, you have the, uh, the girl with all the gifts. Uh, that's a different zombie type of movie there and then you have what was that movie uh, in it the one that the zombie he fell in love with the girl oh god you caught me I know which movie you're talking about exactly right right see that one see he started talking and he he reversed his zombie his uh, zombie is um, because of love because of love so I, I don't I don't know Diary, have you seen Diary of the Dead, Stacy? I think that was no, that was the one before. It was Land of the Dead. Have you seen Land of the Dead? No. Oh my gosh. Which which one have you seen? Um, I've seen quite a few zombie movies. Uh, I've seen Dawn of the Dead. That's that's one I've, of his, right? I've seen Shaun of the Dead. Uh, I've seen, no, he wasn't in that one. <laughs> and, uh, I've seen Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Nope, that's not his. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, I know. I'm just like naming all the zombie movies I have seen. Uh, um, but uh, of George Romero, because um, let me just look right quick. Yeah, because George... I've probably seen a movie and I just didn't know it was him. Oh, like I said, all his franchises, the dead, the dead one. 
Uh, I personally enjoyed the remake for Dawn of the Dead. We we watched that. How many times you watched that already? I think over thirty times already. Yeah, we watched the the movie version, the uncut version, unedited version. The whole time. Monkey shines. I've seen Monkey Shines. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I've seen Creep Show too. I've seen that. You have to get acquainted with his dead series. Yeah, out of all, out of all of them, I think Diary of the Dead was the was the lowest one because it was found footage. It was terrible in my opinion. But zombies driving cars, I I, I can't. Hey, I can't picture that. You never know. Nowadays, zombies can fly. <laughs> Why yeah, not? exactly. Look at World War Z, right? Right, Anita? Exactly. exactly. They cannot die. Zombies not even eating brains. What? They're not. They're not eating brains no more. And they get a TV show. So. Hey, hey, hey! Don't don't reveal our upcoming uh, spot here of uh, articles. Remember, they used to walk or whatever. Now they run. No, you see, that's the great debate. Those that run, those zombies that run, I think those were only in Dawn of the Dead. That's it. But in uh, 28 Days Later, that's infection. That, they are not zombies. I don't care. You, I call anybody who can debate on me. They are not zombies. They are infected. They got rage. They have a rage virus. And if in, in part two, they don't even eat brains. They just attack people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which also ties in. You don't know if the government is doing this on purpose. Because remember that, that incident in Florida with a bum? He w- he attacked a guy and he was I think he was eating him. Remember that in eat? Yes. And then they said that it was bath salts. What the fuck is bath salts? Which, when they did the autopsy, he had no drugs in his system. See? And they shot him. The cops shot him, and he wouldn't go down. See? That's right. So, you don't know if he was a, a product of some type of zombie experiment that the government is doing. Creepy. Very creepy. <laughs> I know Stacy's there like, here we go again. Mind blown. <laughs> Whoa, special effects right there. Yep. That was mind blown. <laughs> if, this was, if this was visual, you could actually put some powder in your hand that like, <laughs> <laughs> Wow. That would be, be crazy. Leatherface to release in October. Leatherface will release in October. An official release date has not yet been announced. Stay tuned for updates. The horror thriller feature is directed by Alexandre Bustillo and Julian Mari. Seth M. Sherwood pens the script. The cast stars Stephen Dorff, Lily Taylor, Nicole Andrews, Sam Strike, Julian Castove, and Sam Coleman. The synopsis. 
A prequel about teenage Leatherface who escapes from a mental hospital with three other inmates, kidnaps a young nurse, and takes her on a road trip from hell. Along the way, they are pursued by an equally deranged lawman out for revenge. One of these teens is destined for tragedy and horrors that will destroy his mind, molding him into the monster we now call Leatherface. I want to take a brief look at the Texas Chainsaw Massacre legacy over the years. First, we have the original 1974 film directed by Toby Hooper. Of course, I don't have to talk about how legendary and iconic this film is. This film spawned countless sequels and remakes. The 1986 sequel by Hooper, the following sequel, 1990, directed by Jeff Burr, The Next Generation, 1994, directed by Kim Hinkle, the 2003 remake directed by Marcus Nispel, the 2007, no, the 2006, The Beginning, by Jonathan Leibisman, and then the 2013 Texas Chainsaw 3D, directed by John Lewisenhoff. Bustillo and Maury's prequel to the franchise has been in the works for quite some time. The film has even wrapped up production, but it never released. The reason is unknown. I've watched a few out of the franchise, including the original. However, that 2013 film was crap. It made no sense. After that, I wiped my hands clean with the franchise. I will always love the original but I had mixed feelings about more remakes or sequels being added. Now, when you consider the synopsis for Leatherface, it sounds like the production crew is going back to the origins of the franchise villain Leatherface to tell his story and how he became who he is today. We have seen this countless times on movies and the idea is becoming played out. You can predict what's going to happen in movies with this thing. Not only that, let's take a look at the inspiration for Leatherface. Was it um, Ed Gein? He's the true Leatherface. This doesn't even sound like it's, you know, like the true story. Guys, what do you think about this? I always remember the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, released in 1994-95 and that starred Inid check this out it starred Renee Zellweger she was in that movie and also Matthew McConaughey was in that movie you remember that Inid? yes on the Tension Chainsaw yeah that's I think Matthew McConaughey is so embarrassed of that film that I don't think he he even wants to be remembered for that film. (laughs) And Renee Zellweger, remember? She does a lot of uh, romantic comedy movies. And she was in that movie. Oh, my God. She's she's known for Bridget Jones. Yeah, but for that Bridget movie. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. That's... Yeah. I just wanted to bring that up two actors got their start in this crappy movie um Inid, i know you've seen texas chainsaw massacre and now they're coming up with another movie for leatherface what is, what's, what is that they just enjoy doing remakes 
that's it. We all said the same thing. They don't know what else to do. They don't know where else to look. Who to hire. They just need to put great minds together. I agree. And Stefan Dorf, he's, he's done some pretty good movies uh, as of late. Uh, I'm checking out his IMDb. There's a few that I remember him from, uh, but nothing, nothing as critical over the years. But um, let's see. I'm not looking forward to Leatherface. I think Part One was the best, and that that's it. All the other sequels were just crappy. And uh, yeah, I think this is a series that should. This is a franchise that should be left alone. And I don't think a lot of people are going to be welcoming Leatherface. Uh, you know, you go to other hard news sources, they, they, they're beefing this film up and, you know, they can't wait for it to come out and blah, blah, blah. But the truth of the matter is, once it comes out, wherever it comes out, VOD or in the movies, is not going to look, be good. Because a lot of people are tired of these old concepts. We want new horror, fresh horror. Don't you agree, Stacey? I definitely agree. And as I've said, like I've seen a few of I think I've seen the original, I've seen the um, I think was that the new generation with Matthew McConaughey and then I saw the uh, remake with um, uh, what's her name? Jessica Biel. Jessica Biel. Jessica Biel. And then I saw the 2013 remake with Trey Songs. You know, that was the only name I recognized out of the whole movie, but you know, or the whole cast. And the way that like ended or the way that progressed, I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Like, <laughs> do you remember that horrible ending where she's like, get him, cuz? I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I just I couldn't understand what was going on in that movie. Yeah, that the 2013. I remember that when I'm pulling it up now. Yeah, I remember that one. Remember we saw that one, huh? Yes. But yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, that was with the mansion. I think it was like a white mansion at the end. Uh, that that was the final uh, scene. Yeah. Uh, nah. You, you cannot update something like this. This is, a, this is a classic and this should be left alone. There is there is only one and that's the first film that, that was released in the 70s. And even then, uh, I've told Inid how they made this film. The actors, they were stressed out because of the heat and the hours that they put in to make this film. They were tired. So everything that you see on the film is really how they really felt like they were so frustrated and it shows and that's good acting right there now all they got is what good acting more yeah. like frustration from sweat that's what i'm saying that's good acting that ain't no good acting sweat that's cranky acting <laughs> but you see how the woman was the protagonist in that film how she was acting at the table yeah i know you remember need yeah cranky right she was just that was you cannot recreate something like that no no 
And Stacy, doesn't this remind you of Halloween? How they're trying to stretch out the the franchise, and then they just keep stretching it, and they got they just gotta kill it. Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, just yeah, it's like leave it alone. You know, when you run out of ideas, just come up with something new. That's it. Just come, just put, just close the book on that and come up with something new, rather than you know spend all that time and money into this production that you know that's pretty much it's just tired out put that time and money towards something new d reese blumhouse developing horror movie i'm unfamiliar uh with this uh emmy nominee and dga award winner d reese i'm unfamiliar with this uh uh with this talent but I heard and this is uh, according to tracking board that she is set to write and direct an untitled horror film and get this the film is going to be released by Bloomhouse no surprise there and check check this out Anita and Stacy this film is going to touch on social commentary just how the film get out touched on the topic of social commentary her film is going to be about domestic lives of black lesbians in rural America uh, okay uh, so Dee Reese is said to be inspired to make this film because of her own experience that she had with her wife when they moved into a small town in a home in a small town uh, so Reese said that there was some type of apparition in the home or something that didn't make them feel welcome this is her exact quote a ghost or maybe some other force unquote so that's pretty weird uh, so now we have a anti uh, lesbian ghosts on the loose interesting uh, so this is a quote that Dee Vries provided to the New York Times in an interview quote I can't tell you how rare it is that people mean what they say in this business he and she's referring to Jason Blumhouse just letting me make the best possible version of what I want to make unquote Dee is not a stranger to feature films she directed the film the drama titled mudbound although it's not a horror film her film is being screened at sundance and it was acquired by netflix and the synopsis to that film is two men return home from world war ii to work on a farm in rural mississippi where they struggle to deal with racism and adjusting to life after war so any what what do you think about this domestic life of black lesbians in rural America as a synopsis for a horror film? What, what is and the goat? What I don't understand. One word, weird. Very weird. Uh, Stacy, what do you think about that synopsis? I don't. I don't know. What the heck is going on? <laughs> Wait domestic lives of black lesbians in rural America? 
I mean, uh, I mean, is is it like something where it's actually news, or you know what I'm saying? Like, do they have do they have a hard life in real America or something like that? I, I don't understand. Well, based on <laughs> what she said, she said it's based on her experience that when they moved in, her and her wife, that they okay. felt the presence supernatural entity so what is that like a ghost what? that's anti-lesbian that, that doesn't that doesn't make sense okay so that, that is like conflicting it's like conflicting like because just that small little sentence alone domestic lives domestic lives of black lesbians in rural America you kind of think like it's like centered around prejudice or something like that you know exactly right yeah but yeah and then now they go from that to like you know ghosts it's like okay so what is it is it prejudice or is it paranormal or what is it yeah uh, i i just cannot <clears throat> sometimes people want to a uh, project their status or their lifestyle into social commentary it worked for get out it worked perfectly because that's the type of scenario that reflects social standings. Now, if you're going to present a supernatural entity that is not uh, appreciating lesbians living in a home, that just doesn't make sense because ghosts, to my knowledge, they haunt everybody. It doesn't matter if you're lesbian or straight or white or brown. It, ghosts just do what they do, they, right? Right. Yes, they do they don't hold they no grudges to nobody. They just, they just haunt. Like. <laughs> yeah, so I don't see the social commentary here at all. It's just an, a reason to project her lifestyle into the script. It, I don't know. Now, if it was something like, like you said, Stacy, like uh, a racism, let's say a home invasion or um, some racists around the area are, are doing something to them and haunting them in a certain way, then it would make sense. But uh, according to her statement, a supernatural force, no, I, I don't see that working out. You know? Yeah. I think that whole. You know, just like that pitch line, well, pitch line or whatever it is, and then the actual synopsis is kind of conflicting. You know, at one point you want to think like, okay, is it about prejudice? And then the other part's like, okay, well, it's about ghosts. Prejudice ghosts? That's what I'm saying. That doesn't make sense. Prejudice ghosts? No, that doesn't make sense. No. Yeah, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it's, it's bad enough that we cannot prove the existence of ghosts now you gotta say that they're prejudiced too uh, or they're against lesbians come on no 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 doesn't work sorry put a as i said home invasion or something else but not paranormal it's not gonna work john goodman in captive state Director Rupert Wyatt, known for Rise of the Planet of the Apes, 
The and the Gambler has a new movie called Captive State, starring John Goodman, and it will be released in August 17, 2018. Focus Features has provided Daily Dead with a photo that offers the first look at Goodman in the extraterrestrial invasion movie. Captain Stay recently, fini recently finished filming in Chicago. Here's some of the storyline. Set in Chicago, a neighborhood nearly a decade, a decade after a occupation by an extraterrestrial force, Captain Dave explores the lives on both sides of the conflict and the collaborators and dissidents. Some of the other cast include Vera Farmiga and Marilyn Brewer. What do you guys think about this new movie? Ian, doesn't this movie look like, I think it ties in with Cloverfield. Remember Cloverfield that John Goodman was in the basement? Remember? Yes. It looks like it ties up to that film. Maybe. Yeah. The extraterrestrial forests and they're and they occupying. I think this ties into that. Hmm. Hmm. John Goodman. Uh, he's doing. I, I think. I think his career is taking off in sci-fi thrillers. Cause he he used to be a comedian. Well, I think he still is. But. Uh, He's just a creepy guy when it comes to sci-fi thrillers, right? Uh, you need he in, in Cloverfield. He was kind of creepy there. Yes, he was. I, I didn't like the movie, but I, I just enjoyed how how his acting was. Uh, Stacy, uh, have you seen Cloverfield? That's the question of the evening. Ah, uh, Cloverfield. You know, I saw. I'm trying. I'm trying to think if I've seen it. Cloverfield. Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yes, that would too. No, I haven't seen that one. No. I've seen. I maybe it's Cloverfield that I've seen. Yeah, it's Cloverfield was part one, and then part two was Ten Cloverfield Lane, and another film is on the. You know, is on its way that ties into that but this looks very familiar to Cloverfield you see I I'm I don't follow the whole thing is I, I don't like the Cloverfield idea uh, so I can't really say if captive state is part of it or not but it just looks like it I guess we gotta wait until August 2018 to find out yeah Unless somebody leaks it or something like that. Yeah, of course. They always gotta leak something these days. They're trying to leak Pirates of the Caribbean and they, they leaked out Orange is the New Black, so I'm not surprised. Mortal Kombat gets reboot. Mortal Kombat. Enid and Stacy. I know you guys have seen the video game and, you know, the film. Yeah, it was an okay film. It wasn't all that great, so I guess the big heads in Hollywood noticed it, and they want to make a reboot. So a reboot is in effect, and as of November 2016, Variety reported that Warner Brothers, this is the company behind the film, they hired director Simon McQuid to direct the Mortal Kombat reboot, 
and James Wan is uh, is serving as producer for this film. Uh, Greg Russo, he is on board as the screenwriter, but the original writer for the Mortal Kombat reboot. He was recently interviewed by Collider, and he had some things to say about the creative direction of the film. Now, there's a bit of history for Mortal Kombat, and that is that the film didn't do so well. So what they did was create an online series for YouTube, and these series were they were dark and they were they really touched on the characters it didn't had nothing to do with the film it was an own its own separate entity and uh, you could catch it on youtube uh, it's called mortal kombat legacy mortal kombat rebirth and they have a very good lineup of actors you have casper van dien michael j white among others as i said this version was darker and Warner Brothers they saw it and they they said to themselves you know what let's make a film based on the series because this series looks like it's very dark and grimy so here's what Oren Uziel had to say he was the original writer for the reboot quote well and again I don't know what remains of this he's referring to the Mortal Kombat reboot but I know that it was going to be it's almost like if you took the Avengers or if you took a storyline like that and set it in sort of a hard R over-the-top violence and hard-edged world of Mortal Kombat it was a little bit like that it was a little bit like a wanted type story that brought together a bunch of these characters and just pulled zero punches and had a tone that was still fun but very dark unquote so indeed i know you played the game mortal kombat i know you've seen the movie they're making a reboot darker what do you think mortal kombat always will be mortal kombat no matter how many times they reboot it they make it original was always best yeah, but it was so campy, those those outfits. Uh, they, they've changed a lot over the years, though. Stacy, Mortal Kombat, what do you think? I happen to love the original, okay? I happen <laughs> to love that movie. Oh, I love You tell it. him, Stacy. I've watched it a dozen times now. Um, the second one wasn't as good to me, but the first one, I love. And, and I don't know. I have ill thoughts about them remaking it. And darker? Uh, yes. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But that's uh, that's the famous comment. You have to wait and see. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. That's, that, that's all you can say nowadays. <laughs> we just wait, wait and see. see. But you have to make it more combat darker because look at the video game. The video game is so violent. You have blood and but guts. video games. Video games are always more violent than like movies and whatnot. It's more graphics and everything. Like they're probably gonna. More... Hmm? They're probably gonna make a CGI. I highly doubt that. 
A lot of more acceptable video games for whatever reason. Have you noticed that? Yeah. You can get away with a lot more on video games than you can with movies. It's a lot more easier to do than a movie. How it, all those blood splatters that you see when they do, you know, the fighting. How are they going to do that a movie if it's not going to be CGI? Of course. So yeah. that's going to make it be horrible, worse. Yeah. You got to have to make it very grimy. Thumbs down. <laughs> Thumbs down. But for audience members out there, and including Stacy. If you enjoyed the first film, you have to check out the YouTube uh, movies. It's like mini movies, a short film uh, for Mortal Kombat. And uh, you can see the dark tone in these films. They were, they were good and they really emphasized the characters. So if they, kept the, if they keep that idea that they did for YouTube and they make a film and, you know, heighten the violence, yeah i think it would work it would work but of course you know hollywood when they put their paws on something they'll just mess it up featured topic tom hardy to portray marvel's venom Venom will release on October 5, 2018. The action horror sci-fi feature is directed by Ruben Fleischer. The script penned by Jeff Pinkner and Scott Rosenberg. Characters by Todd McFarlane and David Michelini. The cast stars Tom Hardy. Venom is based on the Sony Marvel Universe character of the same name. He is a supervillain who is hell-bent on destroying Spider-Man and becomes an anti-hero. It will not be a spoof. Venom has appeared alongside Spider-Man, Iron Man, Deadpool, Hulk, and many other Marvel comic characters. Um, I'm not really as familiar with Venom as I am with Spider-Man, Iron Man, and Deadpool, and Hawk. So what do you guys think about this? Um, Venom. Um, Stacy, you've seen the, the, the Spider-Man film where Spider-Man's costume was black? Yes. That's Venom. Okay. Right. If you watch that film, you would see how the costume was black and it started it was like a uh, it's a parasite that takes over the host and it makes them turn evil that's venom so tom hardy will be portraying eddie brock who eventually becomes venom and if you just google you uh google venom you would see how this creature looks with his long tongue. I bet you his girlfriend is very happy, right, Annie? With that long tongue that he has. Of course. Which girl wouldn't be happy? Right. But I think those sharp teeth of his will get in the way. Well, not if the tongue goes in first. Uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> you brought it. <laughs> I finished it. Back after dark. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is a mature podcast, so keep your kids away while you're listening. Talk about a perverse venom here. <laughs> you put in perverse. You asked my opinion, I gave it to you. Yeah, but well, it's true though. You know that long tongue. Okay. Anyway, Tom Hardy, a fantastic actor. Love this actor. His the way he portrays his roles. He had Taboo on on a series on television. Amazing TV show. He portrayed Bane in Batman. Amazing portrayal. Um, I mean, the guy is very talented, very well-rounded actor. But I'm surprised they picked Tom Hardy to pick to play Eddie Brock the Venom if he already portrayed Bane in in Batman. So he's doing two villainous in two different you know he's playing in dc and now marvel he likes it like that he making money you don't care but you gotta admit if they hired tom hardy to portray this role you gotta think how big this budget is gonna be because he he is one of the on demand actors right now in hollywood he's very much wanted so he's making the millions right now how much money lots of it yeah uh and if you haven't seen taboo i definitely recommend that uh that guy you know what he his dialogue is grunting that's it he's he's, he could talk and then he gives some grunts and it's like okay this guy is up to no good so i want to see if he does that with this eddie brock character a few lines, some grunts, like, oh shit, shit is about to happen now. He's grunting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Stacy, what do you think? I know you're familiar with Tom Hardy. I'm not sure. He portrayed Bane, yeah. Batman, Mad Max is his last movie, Fury I Road. Okay, so I've seen Inception, The Dark Knight, I've seen The Revenant, so I guess I am familiar with Tom. Yeah, he was the villain in The Reverend. He was the uh, he was the guy who wanted uh, who wanted Leonardo DiCaprio's character to die. Oh yeah, I've seen Lawless. Yeah, I mean this guy, yes, is, he is good. I am not. I'm not a big fan of Venom, but just because Tom Hardy is the main actor, I'm going to watch this film. Yeah, um, should be good. I mean, anything Marvel is good, so. Hey, hey, no, not everything. They trying to reboot the Spider-Man franchise. I don't know why. The first one was good, second one was good, and now they got to do a remake. Come on. Didn't they ever do the Amazing Spider-Man? That wasn't the reboot or something? That was a reboot. And now they're going to make a reboot of another reboot. Which is Homecoming. And Tom Hardy is going to fall into that. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to another episode for DK Mag Podcast. My name is Ken Artus, founder and editor for DKMag.com. And joining me as co-hosts were... In R2, content contributor for DKMag.com, and don't forget to check us out in Google Music. Stacy Cox, staff correspondent for DKMag. We're on Stitcher, 
be sure to rate and review BK Mac on Stitcher rating and reviews and help us rank. And also you can find our podcast on iTunes. Just search DK Mag, D-E-C-A-Y-M-A-G, and you would find a list of all our podcasts. And I also got to stress out, we are called DK Mag, not DK Magazine. We are DK Mag. So please visit our website as well, D-E-C-A-Y-M-A-G dot com, where you will find upcoming articles on well you'll find articles on upcoming films interviews reviews and a whole slate of coverage thank you thank you enjoy your time thank you